Praise you, Lord. Now look at that person beside you that say, man, you know, you're such a blessed person. Such a blessed person. Praise God. Man. Mm. Man, God is so good. Mm. Well, I want to I want to share something with you tonight. So get your Bibles out. Oh, come on. I mean, there's not that many of y'all, but y'all can do better than that. That sound like you ordered a, you know, ordered a big steak and all you got was just one piece of bacon. OK, come on. So get your Bibles out. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. That was sad. We need to edit that out. Of course, it was live. Happy to be at church. Woo. Okay. I, I preached this message last week about ministering to the Lord. I thought it was the worst message ever preached. I thought I missed it. I went home to my wife and said, I need, I, I, I don't know. I, it's just, it was horrible. And then I got more emails, more stuff, more phone calls, more people saying, oh my gosh, you got to keep going, keep going. And than I think I've ever gotten before on a message. And so I thought, well, let's revisit it. But, you know, I hope you, uh, I, I, if you weren't in church Sunday, you need to go watch the message again. You know, we had Bill give his testimony of what God had done for him in life and about the word being alive. But I want to go back and I want to visit, I want to visit these five points about ministering to the Lord. You know, folks, I'm just telling you right now, I've said this, I've said this from the very beginning. There's all kinds of craziness going on in the world. There's all kinds of chaos. We see everything going on in Afghanistan. We see everything taking place. We see COVID, uh, you know, whatever is going on and this, that, and the others. But I'm just telling you, listen to me. God knows what's going on and God's got everything in hand, under, under control. Our job is to minister to the Lord. Our job is to find out what is God wanting to do right now? What is the word that's coming to us? What is the thing that we should be doing? Where do we need to be focused? Don't let yourself get distracted and focused over here on this other area, because I'm telling you, the devil is doing some things and he thinks he's going to win. But, you know, the devil thought he was going to win when he crucified Jesus. And then the next thing you know, boom, pops out of the grave, goes down, defeats death, hell in the grave, triumphantly drug him through the streets. You know what I'm saying? He thought he was winning. I mean, they were having a devil party, you know? Demons were rejoicing. Everybody was happy. Everybody said, we got rid of him. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, everybody that didn't even know they were being influenced by the devil thought they won, but then Jesus arose from the grave. And I'm just telling you, we're going to go through this thing. It isn't going to be pretty. It isn't going to be nice. I believe there's going to be some tough days ahead. I believe there's there's going to be some tough decisions we got to make, but I'm telling you, we're going to get to the point and the resurrection's coming. Jesus is going to win. We're not going to lose, folks. But I grieve. I grieve over the, over the uh, people that we see in Afghanistan and what's going on and how backwards it's going and Christians are going to be on the hot seat and, and their lives are on the line. And, and, and then I was praying about that today and I was just praying for them and and then, oh, yeah, you know, drag me outside and shoot me and send me to heaven. Right? I mean, that's not a bad thing. So anyway, but still, it's just, uh, it's just things that I don't want to see happen and we don't want to see. But we've got to change our, we've got to change our thinking. We've got to change our thinking in this day and time that we live in to realize that God has a plan. We need to find out the plan. And that's what we need to walk in. Amen. 
And so the only way you're going to really get into this is you have to learn that you have to, you're called as a priest. Um, the scripture, 1 Peter 2, uh, 9, but you're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. It really means you're a kingdom of priests. And priests throughout the, all of the scriptures, what their job was was to minister to the Lord. They had to light the lamps. They had to make the bread. They had to take the tabernacle apart, put the tabernacle back together. They were always ministering in that went throughout the, the times all the way up into the Levitical priests, but then it gotten corrupted. But we don't want to be corrupt priests. We want to be godly priests. Amen. We want to be those that minister to the Lord. And so uh, I gave you these five points. I said the first place that we're called to do is worship. Worship is, worship is something that we say we know, but do we really know worship? You know, do we just sing a song or do we worship? Does it mean something? Is there something going on inside of your heart, a connection made with heaven when you are worshiping? Because worship doesn't have to be singing, right? Worship is not having the perfect voice on the perfect tune. The, per the worship comes from your heart, honoring God, standing there, being able to, to vocalize and say how much you love him, how much he means to you, what he, who he is, everything that he's, can, he's done in your life. It's, it's so much more. Amen. And so that, that's another whole message uh, in it's, itself. And then the second one was faith. Faith, according to Hebrews eleven six, is what pleases God. Faith is the only thing that pleases God. Good works don't please God. We need to do good works, and God's happy when we do good works. But you don't please God by doing good works. You, it's not a works relationship here. It's a faith relationship. Okay, it's a faith relationship. I still, Pastor Charles, when he was here and preached that Sunday, the thing that just hit me so much is when he was laughing. He said that somebody said, "Well, what are you going to do if you get COVID?" He said, I'm going to recover. And I've just thought so much about that. And it just, I keep laughing about it because all oh, the simplicity of that, my faith is in God. I will recover because there's people out there that said, oh my gosh, if I get sick, I'm going to die. It's where's your faith and what's your faith in? My faith is in, man, I'm not going to, I'm the head and I'm not the tail. I am above and I'm not beneath. I'm not riding underneath the saddle, Right? And so you're, why is that? Because I know who God is. I know who he is. And so every day, my faith, everything that's going on, there's troubles, there's problems. Oh, my God, you know, you can work this out. To be able to stop and stand and say, well, grace abounds towards me. Because if you say that, but then you're still worried, but well, then you never entered into faith. Right? Never entered into faith. It's like this through 20, through ever since the the covid hit and they started shutting churches down all the kind of stuff you know there was a momentary thought i had of myself what in the world's going to happen lord you know what are we going to do what's going to happen and what about everything that goes on with the church you know and all the 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 the, the, the children and the the, the everything and what, how's this all going to work out and i'm telling you church man we have prospered this year we've got more people saved churches i mean children blessed the biggest VBS we ever had, we're up in this, we're up in that. You know, I mean, it's just like God is just doing amazing things. We're winning more people in the foreign field. We're building more than we've ever built. We're doing more than we've ever done. I mean, God is just blessing and blessing and blessing. Well, it doesn't look like in the natural that could be. See, it's looking in the natural that gets you into trouble. Okay? So I want to take this part here. 
And I want to, I want to, I'm going to scoot over here, and we're going to sidetrack off on another word here. So go to book, a uh, book, <laughs> go to Luke, chapter one, and let's look at something here. Let's really look at this tonight, not just, not just get say, oh, I know that story and and miss it. Okay, so y'all are going to have to just bear with me here for just a second. Come on. Okay. In Luke chapter 1, there's a story here about uh, Zechariah going into the temple. And I want to, if y'all just bear with me, I want to read it because I want you to see it. And so I'm going to start, let's see, in verse 5. There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. His wife was the daughter of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before the Lord, walking in all the commandments and the ordinance of the Lord blameless. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well advanced in years. Now, let's just stop right there for a minute. You know, like I've always taught y'all, I like to look into the story. I like to dig past it. So what do you think? It says they, they didn't have a child. It was brought up they didn't have a child. It didn't say they didn't want children. It was that she was barren and they couldn't have a child, right? So do you think that they ever prayed about having a child? Probably did, didn't they? They probably spent a long time praying. Probably there were some hurts and some pains and some grievance in Elizabeth, some, some wounds and some bruises because she was barren and why am I barren and, you know, what's going on and we serve the Lord but we're not seeing anything really happen and, oh, God, Right? So these prayers that all ascended up into heaven. So <laughs> I, I don't know how old they were, but it says that she was past her prime. So my prime keeps getting pushed farther out. <laughs> right? You know what I'm saying? So somebody said, oh, you're in your prime at, you know, whatever age. And mine's pushing. I'm pushing it out there. I was like, I hadn't got to my prime yet. You know, or I'm not that much past prime. But so I don't know what their age was, but they were older. So maybe a lot of years of prayer, a lot of prayers. The Bible says that when our prayers go up and they're, 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 they're kept in a bowl in heaven. So think of how many prayers for their child or a child had been there and the wounds and all the things that wouldn't was there. And so verse eight says, and so it was that while he was serving as priest before the, for God in the order of his division, according to the custom of the priests. And the lot fell on him to burn incense. Now, when he went into the temple of the Lord, and the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense, and an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. And the angel said, Don't be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayers heard and your wives. Elizabeth will bear you a son. Now, wait, let me read that again. But the angel said in her, do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard. What prayer is heard? All those prayers, right? But do you notice that he, it's not, I mean, it's singular in here. Your prayer is heard. Not all the 40 years of prayers, prayers. It's prayer. So in other words, I, I, I don't know, I may, be, I may be painting with too big of a brush here tonight or whatever, but it just hit me when I read that. I was like, wait a minute, you, you're talking, you're looking at it as one prayer. Or was it the first prayer? Prayed in faith. 
So I, I don't know. Again, give me this one. Let's say they prayed 126 times about this. But one was in faith. So there was 125 prayers that didn't really count. Or maybe there was 126 prayers they prayed, and all 126 of them were really in faith, but God was looking at it as one prayer. So he says, your prayer's heard, <clears throat> and your wife Elizabeth's going to bear you a son, and you should call his name John. You see, you got to understand something. In this whole situation, I do not exactly know how to explain it, but I'm just telling you, God's not ever looking at time like we're looking at time. Because Elizabeth's always already saying, when we were advanced in years, we're too old to be having a kid now. It's already past my prime. I ain't going to get no kid. And the next thing you know, boom, she's pregnant. God said, okay, I heard your prayer. And you're like, well, where were you 20 years ago? Because that fit in my schedule better. Right? But it didn't fit in God's schedule. Because God had to bring John, and then he had to get Jesus and he had to coordinate all this. And so Elizabeth's thinking, well, you know, better late than never. And then she's thinking, what is everybody going to think? Whole new set of problems. And you have, and he says, he goes on, he says, and you should call his name John. And you, and, and you will have joy and gladness. And many will rejoice at his birth. And look, that's pretty good if an angel's standing there telling you, you're going to have joy and gladness. Right? That's good. <sighs> For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He also will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God and also go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient of, uh, uh, to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Here's where Zechariah blows it. Now, Zechariah said to the angel, well, how, how shall I know this? Now, you got to understand something. <clears throat> He's questioning an angel that he could make it happen. You'll see here in a minute, Mary said something different. But Zechariah, the problem was, is he was questioning that God could pull it off. And so Gabriel said, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God and was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. But behold, you shall be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. So he just made him, he couldn't speak. He was not, Gabriel couldn't afford to have Zechariah mess up the birth of John because it fit with Jesus. And the only way he could get him to stop from messing it up was to shut his mouth. So then that's pretty obvious that what comes out of your mouth can affect your prayers. Why else would he have done it? He could have just looked at him and said, okay, my gosh, look, stupid. I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of Almighty God. This is going to come to pass no matter what you say. Just get with the program. But he said, no, I got to stop this guy. I got to stop this guy from messing up the birth of John. So he said, you just be quiet. You can't speak. You're just going to have to. We don't want all this negative to go in there. Just shut you up so you can't mess up the prayer. Okay? So. 
Then I think this is funny, a little side note. So it says in verse 21, the people waited for Zechariah and he marveled. He lingered so long at the temple. But when he came out, he could not speak to them for they perceived he'd seen a vision in the temple and, and he beckoned to them, and re, but he remained speechless. <clears throat> what do you think that the priest that was supposed to go in there tomorrow thought? I mean, here's Zechariah going, and he's like, oh, God, Lee, I got to go in there tomorrow. This guy can't speak what's going to happen to me, you know? Okay. What about 1 John 5.14? 1 John 5.14 says that if we pray, we ask anything. I'm, I'm paraphrasing this. Go ahead and throw it up there if you got it. 1 John 5.14. If you ask anything in prayer, and it says uh, he's going to hear it. Right? Now, this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears it. Okay? Go to 16. Or 15, I'm sorry. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions we ask him. Wow. I mean, it, wouldn't, it be, wouldn't life be simple and, and, and peaceful if we just truly believed that what we prayed would come to pass? But if you notice, he said, in his timing, See, this is where ministering to the Lord comes into effect. The Bible says God knows what you have need of, right? But he also has an ability to see the timing of everything that's supposed to go on. And he knows what you have need of, and so he's looking at the timing and all these other things which you don't know anything about because God's a God that sees the end from the beginning. You only see the now, and you're like, God, you got to do something. Elizabeth walking around, I, I'm not going to ever have a baby. Why aren't you hearing my prayers? What's wrong? What did I do? And then she has a kid when she's not thinking about it. And then it's like, oh, it's kind of shameful that I'm, you know, I'm advanced in years and I'm pregnant. They're going to say, you didn't know what Zechariah and I did last night. I mean, <laughs> are you with me? I mean, it's just strange. But God's timing, God's timing on everything. So when we spend time ministering to the Lord, worshiping him, and then when we spend time walking in faith and everything that we're doing with him, it's ministering to him because we're believing that he's going to do it. So look on down here. Let's look at what uh, happened with Mary. Go down to 26, verse 26. I'm back in Luke 1, 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, to the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and having come in, the angel said unto her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at this saying, and she considered what manner of greeting this was. And then the angel said to him, Don't be afraid, Mary, for you found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and he shall be called Jesus. And he will be great. He will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom, there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, well, how can this be since I don't know a man? She wasn't doing what Zechariah was full of doubt. Saying, what are you talking about? But Mary said, okay, I just don't understand the procedure. Okay. So the angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, uh, also the Holy One who will be born will be called the Son of God. Now, 
In this story, and I'm not going to spend time going on and reading here, but in this story, one of the most amazing things about it was also Joseph. Because you think about it. I, I don't know this is how it happened, but Mary goes down to do the washing and she comes back pregnant. And he says, what? And she said, an angel appeared to me and the Holy One most high overshadowed me and I became pregnant through immaculate conception. And he's like, yeah, right. Do you see this? If Joseph wouldn't have been a man of faith, and when he dreamed the dream and God spoke to him, the angel told him that's the whole thing, and he wouldn't have believed it, folks, you're talking about a mess. You're talking about this whole thing. This is what gets me. I've always said, you know, like, God, you God, you're God. Why didn't you just send the angels back? Just come roaring down. You have a baby born through the most wildest set of circumstances, through a man that could have rejected the wife, through the, the people that could have stoned Mary for having an affair, thinking she had an affair on Joseph, uh, the travel, the going, the birth in a manger, all this stuff, bringing this innocent child into the world in the midst of chaos and killing and trying to kill the baby and the, killing the 200 kids and all the stuff going on to go to a cross and die for each and every one of us. It's a story that only God could have come up with. It's a story of such amazing miracles of faith in people, people believing in faith in God and bringing it about, the miracle of the world, that salvation of the world, that Jesus is there for each and every one of us, all because they ministered to the Lord because they believed his word was true. When you believe God's word is true, then the same thing begins to happen in your life. That's why God said, I can do exceedingly abundantly beyond you can even think or ask. According to the power that works on the inside of you, Ephesians 3.20. Because when we have faith in God and his word and we're ministering to him and just sitting at his feet and being a, like, like not a Martha being stirred around by everything, but being a Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus saying, Lord, I just worship you. I just praise you. And all of a sudden you get the word of the Lord. You get the vision of the Lord. You hear the little whisper of God then, folks, listen to me, the world changes. The world has to change to fit it in. But so many times we get frustrated. So many times we get, we get um, anxious, and we miss what God's trying to do. Now, Psalms 103.20 says, Bless the Lord, you his angels, who excel in strength to do his word, heeding the voice of his word. The angels, they got an easy job. God speaks to them, they go do it. There's no faith involved, but not us. We have to get the word of the Lord, hear the word of the Lord, believe the word of the Lord, minister to the Lord and hear his voice. But man, folks, when we operate in it, miracles happen. Now, last scripture. Go to Hebrews chapter 7. Hebrews 7. Look down at verse... Uh, this whole chapter is great. You should just read it. But um, let's just start at 20. So he's talking about Jesus being a high priest. And, he's, and this is the chapter he talks about Melchizedek and all of that. But in verse 20 he says... 
Inasmuch as he was not made a priest without an oath, for they have become priests without an oath, but he with an oath by him who said to him, the Lord has sworn and he will not relent. You are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. And so being much more, Jesus has become a surety of a better covenant. Now, let me look at that again. Read that again. By so much more. So he's talking about there was this priest in the Old Testament named Melchizedek that even God came, I mean, Abraham came and honored him and gave him a tithe of the spoil. He was a great man. He didn't have any ending in beginning and mother and all this kind of stuff. He goes on talking about how great he was. But he said, man, Jesus is much more better than him. And he's become a surety of a better covenant. Everybody say better covenant. So the old covenant, if you just go read the old covenant under, you know, go back to Deuteronomy, like say chapter 28, and you just start reading what the blessings and the cursings were. I mean, the blessings were good things. If you just walked under the blessings, it was good, right? Okay. But then the key was, is there was no blood to cover you. So therefore you had to walk under the old covenant in perfection with never breaking one part of it. If you broke one part of it, you were guilty of all because the old covenant was to show us that we couldn't do it. That's what it was about. It was a, it was a, a, a tutor, a school learning ability to say, look, this is what, this is how to be good. Like God, you'd have to be like this and you ain't never going to make it. You need a savior, which is Jesus. So he says, it's a better covenant. Verse 23, and there were many priests because they were prevented by death from continuing. So in other words, we were, you know, we didn't make it. We're human. We're going to die off. But he became a, but, but he, because he continues forever has an unchangeable priesthood. Now think about this. Jesus became the high priest of the New Testament, right? And he's, he's never you know, there's going to be no change. There's going to be no other high priest. He's not going to get old and have to be replaced. He's a high priest that's there forever. It goes on and says, therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. I looked up that word uttermost and uttermost. It means it doesn't quite mean like the same word as eternal, but it means like, like farther than you can see, farther than you can believe, farther than you can get. It means like it's out there, the uttermost. So in other words, no matter what crazy thing happens, no matter what crazy things going on, no matter what, what evil the devil could trump up, Jesus, who is an eternal high priest, is able to save to the uttermost you out of the situation. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you think if Jesus... Ask the father for anything. You reckon he gets it? And if he's making intercession for you, it truly is nothing more than God trying to say, God, I hope they don't mess this up. Because if Jesus is interceding for me 
And he's, who's he going to be interceding to the Father on my behalf as an eternal high priest because I did what 1 John 5, 14, 15 says. I, I prayed, my prayer went up to him, and he's heard it, and he's going to answer it. And it's just a matter of getting me to shut up long enough for God to bring the answer to me in his timing. In his timing. Not my timing, his timing. Because there's truly not a prayer that you can pray in faith that won't get answered. And I know that there'll be people watching this and hearing this and, you know, and say, well, well, yeah, but what about? Listen, I'm not about the whatabouts. I can't figure all the whatabouts out. That's not my job. My job is to say what the Word of God says. And it says that Jesus is sitting there interceding for you. And, folks, I'm telling you, he's right and we're, we're going to be wrong. And if we'll get in faith, it ministers to him. So I challenge you. Ask yourself if you're in faith. And if you are in faith, well, then you know what? I have found it's a whole lot easier just to trust the Lord and sit at his feet and minister to him. Say, well, what do you want me to be praying about today, Lord? What is important to you today? What should I be saying? What should I be doing? Not getting up there with my grocery list, going down the list, firing off everything, trying to get him to do what I want him to do, but letting him tell me what he wants to do while we're ministering together. And then, man, I'm telling you what, things happen. Things happen. Amen? So look at the person beside you and say, man, God's answering your prayers. God's answering your prayers. Amen? Well, praise God. Well, stand up and let me pray for you. Father, I just declare right now in Jesus' name, these people tonight, they're faithful people. They hear the word going out. And I declare, Lord, man, if we take Hebrews 7 and, and apply it to our lives that you're ever making intercession for us, well, then we know that every prayer that we pray, everything that we do, it, 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 Lord, you hear it. And in your time, you're going to bring it about just like you did with Zechariah, just like you did with Elizabeth, Lord God, in their prayers that they had prayed for a son. And then he came. And so, Lord, I just pray tonight over each and every one of us that will learn to minister to you. We'll learn to sit at your feet and listen. We'll learn to wait on the Lord so that you shall renew our strength that will mount up like wings of eagles. Lord, we'll run and not be weary. Lord, we'll walk and not faint. And Lord, just teach us, teach us, teach us. Lord God, to be with you and to minister to you. So, Lord, I ask you to bless them. I ask you to bless their finances, bless their businesses, bless their lives. I thank you for revelation just coming to them, Lord, in all manners, so that we can be the servants of God, the priest of God that you want us to be. So bless them, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. God bless you, church.